What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Trail Tales, episode number 94. My name is Kyle Grady. I am a thru-hiker. I am a peakbacker. I am a huge hiking nerd. And every single week on this podcast, I chat with other hiking nerds about their experiences on the trail, blah, 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 blah. Philip Karsha is our guest this week. He's back for, I think, like his fifth episode, something like that. Um, big episode, folks. Big episode because Philip has gone on to accomplish some pretty gnarly stuff since the last time we talked, certainly since he completed the single year grid in the White Mountains. So you gotta you gotta just tune in to hear all about it. I'm not even gonna spoil anything. I will just say it was a great conversation. Philip is a very popular guest for this podcast, and I am very thankful that he was willing to give me so much of his time. So thank you, Philip. Let's do it again soon real quick before we get into the episode here if you haven't followed me on instagram yet what are you doing like why haven't you done that yet oh i don't have instagram well i don't care make an instagram and go follow me at kyle hates hiking and check out my youtube channel if you haven't already while you are at it also called kyle hates hiking now let's say you listen to the show week after week and you're thinking hmm how can i give back to trail tales how can i give back for all this amazing content that Kyle gives me every single week. Well, first of all, thank you. I don't think there's that many people actually thinking that. But if you are thinking that and you want to help support the show, please go to patreon.com slash trailtales. You'll get a little bit of bonus content. You'll get invited to a monthly video chat with myself and a bunch of other hiking nerds. I love doing those video chats. It's basically taught me how to use Zoom. You'll also get some stickers and the satisfaction of knowing that you are helping to support your favorite content. So once again, Trail Tale, no, 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 patreon.com slash trail tales. Please go check it out. That would be awesome. You can also just leave a five-star review for the show on whatever your podcast app is. iTunes, Apple Podcasts, certainly included. That would be really, really awesome as well. I love reading five-star reviews. I, I read all of them, folks. I read all of them, and they are great. So please go do that. Lastly, but certainly not leastly, as I like to say, this week's sponsor is CS Instant Coffee, and it's very fitting because it's getting pretty damn cold, at least where I am here in Vermont. And so hot coffee, that's like the best thing to think about when you're freezing cold, obviously. And CS Instant Coffee is the best instant coffee to go with for your backpacking adventures as the weather gets a lot colder. So let me tell you a little bit about instant coffee. 99.9% of it sucks. CS Instant Coffee is the major exception to that rule because, you know, instant coffee just has this stigma surrounding it that it's just gross and just tastes like mud or whatever. I don't even know. But, you know, it, everyone everyone thinks instant coffee sucks, okay? And to be honest with you, most instant coffee does suck, as I just established. But CS Instant Coffee is working to break that stigma because their instant coffee is very, very awesome. It is as good as a normal cup of coffee. And I know that might be kind of an underwhelming sell at first glance, right? Like, oh, just as good as normal coffee. Why isn't he saying it's better? Well, the truth is, folks, again, most instant coffee sucks. So if you can get something that is as good as a normal cup of coffee while you're out in the backcountry, just by heating up some water and mixing in the instant coffee, that's a great deal. I mean, let's be honest, that's an amazing freaking deal. So you got to go check them out. CSinstant.coffee, the best URL ever for anything. One more time, CSinstant.coffee. 
coffee. That's right. Instead of .com, it's .coffee. csinstant.coffee. They've been a longtime supporter of Trail Tales. I'm very thankful for that. And their coffee is freaking awesome, so go check them out. I will have a link in the show notes. Folks, we're going to do it. We're going to keep this one short. Let's get into the episode number 94 with the legend himself, Philip Karsha. most highly requested guest in Trail Tales history, the most popular episodes in Trail Tales history, Philip Karsha. What's up, man? Thank you so much for doing this. What, like a fourth or fifth time? I don't even know. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Oh, Trail Tales. What's good, man? Kyle, how's everything going, man? Everything is going great, man. Everything is going great. And uh, as I just alluded to there, a lot of people want to hear this episode. A lot of people want to hear what you're up to, Philip. Uh, well, first of all, a lot of people already know what you're up to, but they want to hear about what you've been up to, I guess, is a, the better way of saying that. Yes. Um, yes. So this is, this is going to be a good one. I guess just real quick for those who might not have heard all the episodes, because there's a lot of them now, go ahead and give a quick introduction to yourself. You're not going to be able to say everything that you've ever done, but uh, yeah, just the, the quick intro to Finding Philip. Yeah, I love it. Um, I think this is episode uh, five for us. I was going to say, I think it's the fifth one because I remember the last time it was like we were just going to do one and then we got done an hour, right? And then yeah. there's just like so much. Oh, and then I messed up the recording too. And then we were like, screw it. We'll come back next week and finish it. And that's what we did. So episode number five with Philip. That's awesome. Number five. Yeah, because we got we got a deep history, Kyle. Um, yeah, super, super quick. My name is Philip Karsha. Uh, originally from Worcester, Massachusetts, now living in the White Mountains of New Hampshire, living and work, uh, working in a little town called North Woodstock at the Notch Hostel. And uh, do a ton of hiking, a ton of running, a little bit of backpacking, a little bit of fast packing. I've hiked many of the longest and probably most iconic, most well-known long-distance trails um, in the United States, the Appalachian Trail, the Long Trail, the Colorado Trail, the Pacific Crest Trail, just to name a few. And in the last couple years, I guess the last like 26 months to be exact, I've really set my sights on the White Mountains of New Hampshire specifically, really trying to take on through-hike level projects or projects that I see as, as through-hike level in, in the White Mountains specifically, and and really try to push myself and... and um, you know, give myself fully to, uh, to those, those mountains specifically, because, um, you know, those were, those were the, the peaks that I cut my teeth on the white mountains are the place that I really, you know, made a lot of the mistakes that, that people make when, when they first start traveling to the mountains, they're the place that I sort of first got inspired to really start pushing myself in the outdoors. And, um, yeah, like I said, right now, I'm kind of just like spending all of my time and energy and, and focusing that time and energy, um, on the white mountains. Right on, right on. Well, dude, let's just jump right into it. So obviously the last time that we spoke on here was, you know, if I recall correctly, it was a while ago now, but if I recall, it was like pretty shortly after you had finished the single year grid. Is that, is that uh, accurate? You, uh, it's not, uh, unfortunately. It's so not? Wait a minute. Might, whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, Kyle, you're forgetting, you're forgetting the, the lost Finding Philip episode that we recorded last winter where literally we just jumped on and you just like oh let, let me then that's when you told them about whitney's story 
Yeah, man, that's like. And oh I, Jesus, I, dude! I still I've get done messages. so many fucking episodes now. I can't even keep track of that I, stuff. I can only I suck everybody. I'm sorry. I, I'm no, sorry, man. Philip. No, don't apologize. I can't. I can't keep track of my own episodes with Trail Tales, so I can't imagine <laughs> you know almost being a hundred deep. But yeah, the last time we spoke was last winter, and we kind of just did a little bit of a retrospective on my hiking career, so to speak. And we talked about you know the the Mid State Trail in Massachusetts, the Long yep, Trail, the AT, right. these types of things. Um, so we have spoken since since the single year grid uh just kind of uh like i said a little bit of a retrospective but um i think toward the end of that episode i was um not not you know dropping any any specifics but i was definitely alluding to uh, a big time project a, a major project in the white mountains that i was looking to take on in, in the summer of 2020 um and you know that that project became uh, what I've what I've referred to as the the single season red line, the the red line fastest known time, effectively uh, an attempt to hike all 652 trails listed in the official White Mountains Guide um, in a, a single summer season, and and become you know the, the fastest person to um, to complete that list. Right. Um, yeah, in 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 existence, which and is, uh, which is totally crazy, dude. Um, why don't we <laughs> why don't we start? Okay, <laughs> despite our winter episode, because that's right, because it would have been what like July 2019, right after you finished the single year grid. Yeah, and then yep. yeah, so we did that episode of the winter. Wow. Um, why don't we why don't we back up a little bit before we get into the redlining stuff here? Why don't you just sure. kind of fill everybody in on like. I don't know, post single year grid. Did, did, did hmm. we talk about that before? We probably did. Um, <laughs> no, post, I mean, I mean, I guess because you're right, we kind of focus on some of the other stuff, but I can't quite remember specifically. But um, before this recording, you had alluded to, uh, I don't know, just kind of how banged up you felt after the single year grid hmm. or, or in that, hmm. you know, time between the two major projects. Um, so I think it's important to kind of start off there, I guess, and I'm sure that will segue pretty well into the actual you know single season red line uh craziness so why don't yeah why don't we start there yeah i love it man um a lot of people don't realize this primarily because it's not something that i've i've spoken on uh, much publicly but when i finished the single year grid when i finished climbing all 48 4, footers uh, every month for 12 consecutive months um that that last month um, of the grid being the the six and a half day diuretissima. Um, I was just in super, super rough shape. I mean, I was totally exhausted. My, you know, my feet were, were ballooned up. My feet were blistered. Um, I had the, the exhaustion and the weight of a year long project on my shoulders. And I was just, you know, maxed out in that capacity. But, um, I also made a little bit of a mistake, uh, during that, during that last round, in that I ended up hiking the White Mountain Diartissima. I ended up hiking this, you know, this through hike of the of the White Mountain 48 in six and a half days without uh, proper support in my shoes. So I've got I've Ooh. got really yeah I've got really really flat feet, and I need uh, pretty serious arch support to um, keep my feet healthy and doing their thing. And uh, for whatever reason, I, I did not I did not start out with with uh, the proper support in my shoes and uh, continued you know for the rest of that that round that last twelfth round without without support in my shoes and my ankles paid uh, dearly from that experience. Um, to make a long story short, I ended up developing a, a pretty severe um, pretty severe case of something called posterior tibial tendonitis. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I I, I may not be. 
Um, but it, it's it's effectively, you know, when when your feet don't have enough support in the arches, and so your your posterior tibial tendon, which stretches from your calf down underneath your ankle, and and into the bottom of your foot and your arch, you know, it's it's got to work double or triple time to to try to keep your you know your your foot aligned and your and your and your foot upright. And, um, you know, do doing 220 miles and, you know, 50 or 60 or 70,000 feet of elevation gain after, after working my ass off for an entire year on the single year grid, my ankles were just like, nope, no more. Um, they just, yeah, they were screaming. And for the better part of, um, for the better part of the time in between the single year grid and the beginning of the single season red line. So let's say from about, uh, October, September, September ish, um, October, 2019 to, uh, really like early June, um, early June, 2020, I was feeling ling- lingering effects. From, really? So yeah, almost from a that, full year, huh? Absolutely, man. I mean, I remember, uh, I remember, getting off Musalak in late October, 2019, after I finished the, finished the red line. This is several months after I finished the red line, super quick, eight mile hike. This is not an exaggeration, man. I felt like somebody had literally been beating on my legs with a baseball bat repeatedly for like an hour. Well, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of glad you're sharing this, honestly, because I feel like it's so easy sometimes for people to just assume the people that do the, these like crazy projects and stuff, or even just a normal through hike for that matter, are like superhumans, right? So it's kind of mm-hmm. nice to hear like, no, I can't just go out and, you know, I can go out and just do this, but, you know, I... I have to work for it. My body definitely takes a toll. Not yes. that it's nice to hear that you're hurting, obviously, but um, it's like shit. Even even finding Philip is human, after all, <laughs> as, as it turns out. <laughs> well, and that's why I like to share these stories, you know, because um, you know, sometimes sometimes people have the tendency to put you up on a little bit yeah. of an impossible pedestal and 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 put you up on this uh you know up in this place where you know they think you're inhuman or you're you know you're you're immortal or or whatever these you know these ridiculous terms that they use but the reality is man is that you know i've said this from the jump i'm a very average hiker most of the hiking that i do is very pedestrian very middle of the pack um you know with with the exception of these of these big projects and like yeah absolutely i've got a ton of base mileage. I've got a ton of experience, but I'm not above getting injured. And in this particular case, my body really got injured to the point where, you know, a few months out from the project, I was in deep pain while I was, while I was hiking throughout that winter. You know, I got most, I got through most of, uh, uh, all 48, 4,000 footers again, again, that winter, it wasn't something I was specifically working on, but every, every single hike that I did, man, I was in pain, you know, mm-hmm. that, that winter and into that spring. And why did, why didn't you let your body just like recover for a while and just like not hike for a couple months? Um, Cause you're addicted to that shit, bro. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, come on. Obviously, I'm, a, I'm I feel that, to man. It. I feel um, that. I've got no, some little lingering things I know I should probably rest up for, but I can't bring myself to stay off the trail for more than a couple days either. Honestly, well, yes, and I and and it absolutely is that, and I would never deny that, Kyle. I mean, this is a life practice. This is a life practice, and and anybody who has a life practice of any kind knows that if suddenly they can't do that, um, there are problems. You know, there's there's things that that. Uh, that kind of come up. It doesn't necessarily set, sit well with an individual. But um, that being said, I also believe that like the body has this capacity to kind of 
heal and recover while it's moving. I wasn't like going out and like smashing miles. I wasn't hiking aggressively. Most of those hikes were very chill, like Mm -hmm. half day, half day pursuits. Um, But my body had just been under such a great amount of stress that even giving it that, that amount of rest, because I I was giving it a a pretty significant amount of rest. I mean, there were plenty of weeks over the winter where I wasn't, you know, hiking at all or just going out for, you know, 10 or 15 miles. But, um, I didn't want to like get so, I didn't want to get so out of the game physically or psychologically that it created, you know, more, more problems trying to get back into shape in the spring, assuming that I was going to be able to attempt the red line, which I guess, um, I guess that's true because if you had this like really ambitious goal in mind, it wasn't really like you had much time to, you know, retrain from scratch, I guess. So that makes sense. Definitely. It was, um, that was a big reason why I wanted to do these two projects back to back, you know, these two massive, you know, the two projects that I feel like represent, um, the, the, the biggest, um, most iconic, you know, list based projects in the whites. I wanted to do them both, you know, in a, in a single year, in a single season, back to back, um, you know, pr- primarily because there's not a lot of breathing room. You know the act- the actual execution is insane. the The schedule for the for the hiking itself is insane. And then when you take into consideration that you have less than a year to recover, retrain, and then prepare for the next trip, I mean, it's just like, yeah, that was that was very scary. You know, there was there was a big feeling to that, but I also knew that that was something that drew me in because, um, again, didn't want to cut didn't want to cut corners with these things. You know, I really wanted wanted it to be as challenging as possible. Did your body finally start to feel a little bit better once, uh, you know, right before the project started or Mm. like, you know, into the beginning of the project? Yeah. So I would say sometime maybe like April-ish by the time all the snow got out of the hills um, in in the White Mountains and the surrounding area, by the time I was uh, really like off snow, able to train on some super soft dirt. And of course, like after, you know, many months had passed because we were, you know, we're coming up on maybe, I guess at that point, nine or 10 months since I, since I had finished the grid. Um, so my body absolutely had a lot of time at at that point to, to really recover and rest and slowly work itself back. But I remember, man, like, you know, getting to the point, like I said, April, early May being like, you know, Phil, you're going to be out having an average, you know, 15 to 20 to 25 miles a day, every single day, for for 90ish days here coming up you you need to make sure that your body's at least in that mode where where it, where it has a shot of putting that mileage in um and and not getting injured and so um even even when I first started training you know for the single year grid that those last 8 weeks 6 weeks before I I started uh, before I was going to get started uh, you know very short period of time I was going out doing like maybe 30 miles a week maybe 35, 40 miles a week, very, very modest mileage, maybe 5,000 feet to, to 8,000 feet of vertical. I was still feeling it, man. My ankles was, were still sore to a certain degree, but it felt I had enough confidence in those efforts, even though I, I knew that I'd be, you know, I was out there doing 30 or 40 miles a week in training, having a few aches and pains. Um, I knew that I was going to have to average like 140 miles a week when I was actually executing the project. I mean, I, I wasn't quite sure that the body was going to be able to handle it, but I felt like there were small, notable improvements that that improved my com- that, that improved my confidence at least. That like, okay, hey, we should step up to the plate here. We should at least give this 
a fighting shot and and see how the body responds and and see what the body does and so um yeah probably probably about a week before i started this is halfway through uh halfway through june maybe the 15th of june 16th of june i I stopped training altogether, just got off my feet, really rested up, rolled my legs, made final preparations and, you know, really was just hoping, man, that like <laughs> I was as strong of a hiker as I thought I was, that my body did have this base mileage that I could fall back on from all of those through hikes that I listed at the beginning of this uh, yeah. of this talk and, and, and that my body did have the capacity to continue to recover um, while it was working. And that was something I'd always kind of prided myself on being able to do in the past is, um, you know, have a body that, that I can finesse so that if I do get injured, if I do get injured or there is some kind of a hiccup or a roadblock, I can kind of finesse it in a way where I can continue to move toward my goal while the body recovers. And mm -hmm. now it was just a matter of, you know, really putting that, that, that psychology to the test, man, and, uh, stepping up to the plate for another big boy. That's awesome, man. Well, yeah. shit, th this is going to be a, a pretty open-ended question, but what was your, because, you know, now we're talking, now we're kind of at the beginning of the, of the project. So mm -hmm. like, what's the plan of attack here? And, mm. and I always wonder about this when it comes to redlining. In fact, I've asked a couple other folks this question um, who have redlined, obviously not, you know, quite the same situation because they're doing it over a longer period of time, but I'm always curious, like how people plan that stuff. Like, where yeah. do you, like, where do you even start for planning a single season, like redlining thing? Yeah. That's that's fucking nuts. Yeah, I I've been looking forward to addressing this just because there's been a lot of people who have like reached out and asked, like, you know, Phil, what's your planning process for this? Like, how did you approach this? What techniques did you use? What mechanisms did you use? And like. The first bomb that I'm going to drop for everybody. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Is that like, you know, I, I hiked 1950 miles out there. The, the, the mileage of the red line clean is 1470, but with all of the backtracking that I did, um, I hiked 1950 miles and that was with over a half million feet of vertical, 545,000 Christ, feet. I thought my 400 miles this summer was impressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So we were working for it. But that being said, man, when I stepped up to the plate on June 21st, 2020, I only had 200 miles planned out. Really? So yes. you just, so was it almost like a through hike where it's like you, like your, your goal is to hike, you mm -hmm. know, from mexico to canada but like obviously you're not planning you know where you're going to be in oregon when you're first starting in california was it kind of like that i guess um i thought it was going to be like that kyle and that's where i really started making some of the most fundamental mistakes um okay you know of, of the project because what i thought what I, that i was going to be able to do given all of my backpacking and through hiking and long long distance long distance experience was i thought i was going to be able to rely on my physical prowess to get me through this project so i knew that the white mountain uh trail network looked like you know a pot of spaghetti thrown on a wall um <laughs> that's in, in the best way to describe i it. mean like yeah come on <laughs> That's awesome. um, it, it looks insane. I knew that the network was very complex. I knew that the that the network was, um, you know, vast and sprinkled with these one or two or three mile out and back trails, you know, th throughout the uh, throughout the, the the main network. But I thought at the end of the day, no matter 
how complicated, no, no matter how logistically complex, uh, no matter how little planning I had done going into it. Again, 200 out of the, out of the nearly 2,000 miles were all I had mapped out on paper. Um, I thought that I was going to be able to flex super hard, rely on my physical prowess. I knew that I had 30s, 35s, 40s, 45s if I needed them to really you know, catch up if I needed to. Um, and the reality of the situation, man, is that is probably the absolute worst possible way that one can really? go, that one can approach something like, um, you know, a, a, a single season red line because, because this is the scenario that I found myself in. Um, so I planned those 200 miles out. I used a bunch of different resources, had a bunch of different people kind of help me. Um, you know, Re Rebecca Sperry, who's a, a very uh, well-known redliner. Uh, she goes by the trail name Socked in Hikes. She oh, yeah. created. Um, she, she's a previous guest on the show. Which I listened to that, that episode yeah, and, awesome. and Philip's episode and Mike's episode multiple times while I was out on the red line. It was it was very uh, very meta, as they say. Oh, okay. <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, man, she she was super generous. She uh, she gave me a digital copy of of her Bible that she uh, that she that she uh, sort of um, researched and and put together for her single year red line. So I was able to kind of look at the way that she planned out her routes, you know what I mean? And see how she organized everything. And it's like, you know, she and I had two completely different time frames. I mean, she was doing hers in, you know, 365 days. I was doing mine in, uh, you know, what I hope to be about 93. So, um, you know, I, I was hiking sometimes two or three or four times the mileage she was, right. but it was super helpful, man, to just like have this extremely dialed, extremely organized individual, you know, you know, gift me this, this, this digital set of, of, um, of maps and of spreadsheets and to be able to really get inside her mind and see like, Oh, okay, she, she's doing this and this is how she's finessing this. And, you know, maybe this works for me a little bit, maybe, you know, this doesn't work for me at all. Um, but the reality is, is that like after those 200 miles ran out after, you know, I had, you know, kind of referenced, referenced, uh, socked in's Bible after I had referenced the AMC maps, after I had referenced, of course, um, the guidebook itself after, after, um, after those 200 miles ran out, man, it was just a nightmare. It was a never ending attempt to get days planned, get days executed, figure out where trailheads were, uh, tr figure out where trail junctions were, figure out where you were on the trail, figure out if you've, if you've gotten everything you need. Um, it, it was so logistically complex on any given day that it was nearly impossible for me to, um, both plan the mileage, execute the mileage and do what I needed to do additionally to keep myself functional out there. Yeah. Because, um, what I haven't really mentioned yet is that, um, you know, I was living for, for the majority of the summer out of, out of my 2008 Toyota Yaris, uh, my Toyota hatchback Yaris that my, my twin brother, Joey Karsha, uh, helped me build out. We ripped the passenger seat out um, of the of the Toyota Yaris. We just straight up sawed uh, and drilled the back seat out, and we built a sleeping platform, and we threw a Yeti cooler in there, and we turned that thing into a a micro camper for for the summer. And so, um, you know, just having to resupply myself with food and groceries and drinks and uh, gear and these types of things. Um, 
you know, man, all of that stuff compounded was not conducive to to getting through these miles and getting through these trails as quickly as possible and and effectively because of because of that lack of planning. Because I thought that I could just finesse this from a physical standpoint. Because I just I thought that I could go out there with a few weeks of of um, of the project plan and then just kind of wing the rest. It, it was because of all that, man, that ultimately I ended up coming in. Um, a little over five days short of my goal. Um, so uh, about five days after the official uh, summer season had mm -hmm. ended and, and really Kyle, like, you know, a lot of people don't realize this either. You know, they say, Oh, Phil, well, um, you know, you came su super close. You got the fastest known time, you know, took over three months off the fastest known time. You know, you came super close. People don't realize I shouldn't even have come that close, man. You don't think like, so? Oh no. I, it, when I, when I hit a month out, from the end of the project, a month out, 30 days from from the start of fall, I was at like 58% of the red line. Oh, shit. Oh, so dude, you really, oh, wow. <laughs> dude, I was, Kyle, I was in it, man. Like, I, was, I wasn't sleeping well out there, man. I was like, what am I going to do to get this back? Because ultimately, I wasn't th moving through the miles that I needed to on any given day. Um, but, but I also you know, in my lack of planning, just straight up didn't know exactly how many miles I was going to be dealing with. I didn't quite know how much backtracking I was going to be doing. I ended up backtracking 25% of this project. Yeah. Damn. So, so in hindsight, you would, would you plan the entire thing out basically beforehand? Like how, like, is there a balance between, you know, doing more planning than you did, but you know, maybe not planning everything out or would you just plan everything out? What do you think? No, there's zero balance, dude. You, you have just go to for be, it, huh? If you're looking to do this um, in the fastest known time, if you're looking to do this in a single season, a single a calendar, single summer season, you know, because people like outside the Northeast hiking community, of course, they'll look at this in a very general sense and say, oh, you did that in a summer. Oh, you did that in a single season. It's how right. we look at the AT or the PCT. Um, but in the very nuanced um, and very nitty gritty, uh, white mountain hiking culture, Northeast peak bagging culture. It's like, dude, five days off. It's mm -hmm. like close, close, but no cigar, man. Great, yeah. great effort, but no cigar. Dude, and so hearing you say all this, like, honestly really makes me realize, uh, I don't know. You, you did a great job of explaining that because my original thought there was like, oh, it's like a through hike, you know, you plan the beginning and then you just kind of wing it. But a something like this is obviously like so much different than a through hike right because on a yes. through hike you're just doing one trail so you basically yes. just need to know you know your daily mileage and that's about it you'll know whether or not you're on a on pace based based off yeah your daily mileage but mm -hmm. you but like you even just said you didn't even know exactly how much backtracking you were going to have to do um it, all these intersections um, it just, it, it's gotta be like so much more complicated. So well, I'm glad you explained that because that, um, you know, that really kind of opened my mind up there after that initial thought I shared. Yes. And I'll, I'll just end with this kind of point here. It's like in, in addition to the, the, the backtracking and, and the mileage and what have you, it's like, okay, you know, some of these trails literally extend up to the Canadian border. Uh, so toward the end of the trip, I was on the Canadian border. I hiked the fourth Connecticut Lake trail. I have a picture of myself, uh, with the American flag and the Canadian flag at the, at the Canadian border monument. And, um, you know, you go up there and you see that you got to hike 
you know, four or five different trails and they only comprise a total of like 12 miles. And you're like, oh my God, dude, I'm going to be up there smashing through that stuff. And I'm going to be heading back down South for uh, the second half of the day and getting more miles, you know, getting more miles a little bit further South. And it's like, you have no idea how (laughs) much time it is going to take for you to not only drive up to that part of the state, and I, I live in North Woodstock, dude, you know what I mean? Like I'm already pr- pretty far up there. Um, but to drive that far up in the state and then get on six to 12 to 15 miles of dirt roads and try to find these trailheads, man, like that is, <laughs> that is like an all day plus effort. But you don't know that because number one, you haven't really researched where you're going. And number two, you think that you can just like use your physical capacity once you do get up there and you end up, you end up driving up to the area. And, and when you, when you, you know, when you think that you're going to be out of there in six hours or whatever, half a day, you're sadly mistaken, man, because these roads take time to travel and it's tough to get, uh, cell phone service out there to get like proper directions as you're driving. Um, once you do get to the trailhead, a lot of times there's no routes on Gaia or on gut hooks, um, to, to make sure that you are like on your, on your right track and getting to where you need to go. Mm -hmm. And so all of these components take time. And so it becomes more, it becomes, um, it becomes more than just saying, okay, I'm going to have a full single season's worth of day hikes planned out, mapped out, um, dialed in. It, it also um, becomes like, okay, well, you know, where, you know, where do I actually start? And like, where do I move down through these different regions so that I'm hitting everything um, effectively as I move through the national forest, as opposed to hopping from the northernmost section to the southernmost section to the easternmost section, which is something I I did as well, man, because it's like, you know, you get a little tired of one area and you want to, you want to move to another area. But um, yeah, man, what I'm trying to say ultimately is that, um, yeah, you could plan all these hikes out beforehand, but I'd even I'd even go as far as saying is like you need to do what I just did once. If you if you really want to hike this in a single season, if you really want to, you know, lower the time that I've set, um you've got to kind of do like it, it justifies a, a summer's worth of recon, man. It would even justify like two summers worth of recon because yeah. if I was just out there mo- leisurely moving through the red line, you know, to research a future attempt this summer, I don't think I would have like gone through the hassle of fitting it all in. You don't you know, think I'd, so? Um, dude, even you, would, man, even you. But for just a recon trip, you know, like it was 20 miles every day with zero days off. It was 19.6 mile per day average for 99 days. I didn't take a single zero day. And I Jesus. I climbed almost 600,000 feet of vertical, man. The grid was a million. So I climbed a million feet of vertical during the grid in 10 and a half months. And I climbed more than half of that in a 90 to 99 day period yeah, this summer. I mean, it was crazy. It was, it was fucking grueling, real talk, man. And, um, I hiked, I think I haven't, I haven't gotten the final percentage here, man, but I'm very confident when I do, um, I'll have hiked between 94 and 96% of the red line solo, you know, oh, so wow. I was out okay, there yeah. by, my, yeah, man, like I was out there by myself as well. So 
Um, I know how much effort now is required to get this thing in, even in a loose summer season, not, not hitting it, you know, calendar date to calendar date. Um, and it's just hard for me to believe that I'd, I'd push through that effort, um, in, in a re in a recon capacity, unless I, um, unless I really, really had to, which if you're just going out to research, you know, you don't necessarily need to do the whole thing in one summer. Um, yeah. Yeah, but um, but this is the way that it worked out, man. And I'm sure we'll we'll get into this um, in a bit. But ultimately, moving forward, and um, you know, look looking ahead for looking ahead for myself. Um, yeah, I, I I will without a doubt be attempting the red line um, again next summer. Oh, June there it is. There yeah, it is. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> well, I haven't really been I haven't really been secretive about this, which is which is feels a little strange. There's still for a lot me. of people wondering though. There's still I think a lot so. of people wondering. Yeah, I think so. And you and you know me, Kyle, like when we first caught it up about the single year grid, I was in month eight of a of yeah, a yeah. of a ten month ten and a half, eleventh month project. So I'm I'm not used to just talking a bunch of shit beforehand. I'm not used to letting people in on what my plans are next year, you know, right now. I'm I'm not into or used to any of that stuff. But when you look at the, you know, when you, when you look at it from a, from a practical standpoint, and also like just me being 36 years old, having been a hiker for 20, 20 years and, and knowing myself super well, it's just like really the biggest mistake this summer was calling this an attempt and not a recon. And, um, you know, now that I've kind of gotten past that, now that I have kind of accepted that like, yeah, of course I broke the record, but like, you know, haven't hit that high mark, haven't hit my, my highest potential, the, 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 the single season. It's just like, you know, there, there's no other choice, but to step up to the plate and go for it and, and look at this as a huge learning experience. Look at this as like a two chapter project. I thought I was just going to come in, you know, I thought finding Philip single grid Philip be the wolf Philip was just gonna, you know, come on in here to the white mountains and take all of this 4k experience and be able to translate that to the, 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 the very vast and very understated, uh, extended white mountain network. And I couldn't have been more wrong, man. Um, I, I did a pretty good job out there, but pretty good isn't good enough, you know, in, in my eyes specifically. And there's a lot of work left to be done. And I've just like, Kyle, you have to imagine, man, like I've learned so much yeah. <laughs> this summer, you know, people hike the red line over the course of three or four or five years. I feel like I've, you know, I feel like I, I spent 99 days hooked up to the chair in the matrix and had Morpheus <laughs> download a real time snapshot of what the trail network looks like right now, you know, like yeah. currently. And that's, so that's so cool though, dude. And if you think about it though, that's a, that's a perspective that, uh, pretty much only you can have right now. You know, that's a, I, that's, I never really thought about that. That's pretty crazy. I think so. And also like, I, I, I take that shit super serious, man. Like I, that that's that's a pretty unique perspective you know to your point and uh i don't know like do you just sit on that and and enjoy the knowing that you you have that information you know you have that data um in in your memory bank or do you actually step back up to the plate do you actually challenge yourself again do you actually look in the mirror and say like Again, you did a good job up there, but you definitely didn't hit your 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 highest potential. And you know, go and try to do better. And I, I honestly think, man, that I that I can do so 
much better. Not even think. I know I can do mm-hmm. so much better because when I finished the red line, it it wasn't it wasn't like finishing the grid, man. Like no? I've what do you I've, mean by that? Um I think especially in those final days of the grid, um that diuretissima just the truly ragged place that I that that I got to over the course of that diuretissima and and of course like over the course of that whole single year grid um you know through that crazy ass winter and what have you um I found myself um man I I almost hate to admit this but you know on some of those days I found myself wishing away the experience you know I found myself wishing wishing that it would be over i found myself okay but there's there's a difference between wishing away and just wishing it was over you know because i feel like wishing away is oh i wish i hadn't done this but wishing it was over is okay i'm glad i did this but i like it to be done (laughs) just so we're clear yeah yeah fair okay yeah if you'd like to put that distinction on it for sure i mean i certainly didn't regret anything that i did ever i never regret anything i've I've gone after in the mountains because i feel like i I don't just, you know, throw in hope with my projects. I feel like they're all super intentional. But like, dude, I was pretty desperate for it to be over, man. Which is and, um, reasonable, I yeah, would say, yeah, at, yeah, at the very yeah. least. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and I, I never, I mean, I was tired at the end of the red line. Um, I was mentally exhausted at the end of the red line because that kind of hiking, man, where you're literally looking at your phone all day, making sure you're on the right trail, looking at your map all day, making sure you're on the right trail, looking at your Strava, make sure you're making sure you've covered all of the miles that you need to cover in that network. It's just mentally exhausting. But like, I never, I never like remember like wanting it to be over and certainly not wanting it to be over in any kind of desperate way. I knew that I was so lucky. I mean, and I mean, this is, this was this was kind of the dream of the of the single year grid like i wasn't working i didn't have to hold down a job mm-hmm. i was sharing my experience in real time almost every single day um i was focused on just that one thing hiking was my ultimate ultimate priority um every single day with very few distractions outside of that and that's something that i wanted on the single year grid so much and even though it was really tough even though I was exhausted, even though I knew like without a doubt, this was like unsustainable. Um, I didn't want it to really end or I wasn't desperate for it to end. And, and also physically, man, like I was again, tired, but like I wasn't rocked in the way that I was in the, in, you know, during the single year grid, I was, I was good. I mean, I've, I've put in probably close to 80 miles at this point since I've finished the since I've finished the red line and really for the most part, you know, aside from still wanting to catch up on some sleep um, and feeling really sleepy when I wake up in the mornings, like my body's good, man. Like my body is. It's good to hear. Yeah. It's rocking. So um, I'm almost surprised. Cause I feel like, I mean, I, I don't know this for sure, obviously, but I feel like, I don't know, wouldn't a, a longer, more sustained, but lower, um, I don't know like god i can't i don't even know what i'm trying to say here i feel like the 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 red line was more of just like an explosion of mm -hmm, energy and -hmm. i feel like that would take more of a toll Mm -hmm. than than more of like a long longer Mm -hmm. drawn out thing although i guess Mm -hmm. to be fair with the single year grid you're also hiking most days so i don't really know I, i guess i'm just a little bit surprised to hear that um you weren't as banged up after this which is good though that's a good thing obviously especially if you're gonna do it again next year (laughs) yeah and i well and that's kind of um 
I think there's a lot of contributing factors to what you've just described. Um, because yes, you would think a longer effort with lower volume and intensity versus a shorter effort with higher volume and intensity, you know, would be would be less likely to injure you than mm-hmm. um, than you know something like what I just described, something like the red line. You just but, said um, that much more eloquently than I was <laughs> attempting to. <laughs> I, I got your back, Kyle. Don't worry. <laughs> At least I did um, it good enough that you knew, that you knew what I meant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I've thought about this quite a bit. Uh, you know, like out there, you're like, man, why am I why am I feeling so good right now? I'm literally like. You know, just again for some additional context. I mean, on on the single year grid, on any given week, I was putting somewhere between um, on a low end, let's say forty five to fifty miles, on a high end, probably like seventy to eighty miles on the single year grid, and that was going to be with anywhere from ten to twenty thousand feet of vertical. Mm-hmm. Um, on the single season red line, I was consistently averaging over one hundred and forty miles a week with anywhere from like thirty to forty, sometimes fifty plus thousand vertical. Um, feet, feet a week. So uh, <laughs> it was two very different experiences in terms of volume and intensity. Um, and I was running a lot of that as well. Oh, okay. um, because, you know, you're off the 4k network, a lot of the a lot of the trails, even though you are getting that crazy, crazy vertical, again, 545,000 feet, you know, for, for the for the red line. Um, a lot of that, you know, are in like a little bit lower lying trails, a little bit softer trails, mm-hmm. not so rocky, not so rooty, more conducive to actually running, even though they still have strong vertical gain. Um, yeah, yeah, man. I mean, you you would think that the single year grid would be less likely to injure me than than the single season red line, but the reality is is that my diet was completely different first and foremost. Okay, um, okay. So I yeah, so I stopped uh, I stopped consuming meat um, late March two thousand twenty. Um, stop consuming the primary, the, the, um, you know, the, the processed foods and, and the primary sources of like refined sugar that I, that I had been consuming, especially during the single year grid. Cause you know, I was just in hiker trash food mode during yeah, that thing, yeah. man, on such a budget, Tony's pizzas. We've talked about this on your, on your show, <laughs> man. Like, you know, when you can get 1200 calories for three, $3, you know, in a Tony's pizza from the dollar store, it's hard to turn that down when you're on a budget. <laughs> Absolutely. But, um, yeah, man, a lot of plant, a lot of plant-based foods, a lot of nuts, a lot of seeds, a lot of fruits, um, a lot of veggies. Consistently with the training leading up to the to the red line, and also 100% through um, the entire red line execution. Like I, I did that on no meat whatsoever. Um, so I was eating really well, um, and I know that I was putting really, really, really good stuff in my body, and that was a big difference. Um, also, like. On the single single year grid, I spent so much of that hiking with other people. Um, most most of the time with other people who were like way less fatigued than I was, um, way less exhausted than I was. So I consist- consistently found myself hiking faster uh, than, than I needed to while I was on the trail with other people. I, I consistently found myself hike, hiking faster and running faster than I needed to on the trail because I was also trying to work in my schedule with my job and getting down right. to the notch and being in on time. And then once I was there, I wasn't really recovering. I was giving people tours of the hostel. I was carrying 30 pounds of laundry up three flights of stairs. So mm-hmm. all of that stuff was eliminated this summer. You know, I was uh, really, again, able to not work. I was able to really just focus on the uh, the mission at hand. And so, you know, my, my entire summer was me hiking alone at my own pace, pushing when I felt good, holding back when I felt poor, uh, filling my body with whole nutritious foods, sleeping, not consistently great, but certainly, uh, 
certainly getting you know more sleep probably than I was at certain periods of time during the single the single year grid and um I think uh yeah I think also is spending a, a, a decent amount of the time like off the immediate 4k so off that like crazy rocky rudy up down up down like you know just grinding bone jarring descent and ascent and descent I think getting off those networks a bit getting into some of the softer stuff the more uh, rolling stuff. Um, I think all of those things combined, man, just left me in a way, way better place physically. And then just coming ever so slightly, um, be- behind on my goal, you know, kind of missing that single season superlative that I, that I chased so bad that I wanted so bad. I think all that stuff combined has just, yeah, put me in a position where it's like hundred percent I'm in next year. Everything mm-hmm. that I'm doing right now is kind of leading toward that. Yeah. Um, leading toward that, that second attempt, man. And I, I want to share it with everybody and I, I want to, you know, once again, kind of, uh, give people insight into what it's like to, uh, you know, to give yourself fully, you know, this term that I use so much, give yourself fully, um, to, a to, a, a mountain mountain based project in the, in the Northeast. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I got some more questions about next year for sure cool but real quick i do yeah. want to ask just about some of the actual like uh trails that you were on because mm-hmm. as as a lot of people listening know um you know i've i've gone over the past couple summers and tried to hit a lot of areas in the whites where i never mm-hmm. got to when i was doing the four thousand footers mm-hmm. and so i've done you know some of these lesser known trails where it looks like you're only probably any you know one or two other people in the past week have mm-hmm. hiked through there if that sometimes mm-hmm. Um, obviously I haven't done, you know, most of them, but I've done enough of them that I kind of, I'm intrigued by them. I guess I'll say that. And so Mm. whenever I talk to people who have redlined, Mm -hmm. which I've had the privilege of doing a decent amount of times on the show at this point, I'm always just curious about some of those lesser known trails, right? Mm. So are there any that come to mind right now, um, that I guess would be a worth checking out or B were just like kind of gnarly or unexpected or anything interesting like that? Mm. Mm. Yeah, man. Um, 100%. And I'll give you just a super quick, uh, preface, like, you know, once again, man, I've had the, you know, I've had the good fortune of having like my brain be sort of rewired this summer. I mean, my life has been all about the four K's, um, leading up to this point, especially like with the single year grid and, uh, walked away from that experience on the grid feeling like I had kind of fostered the deepest relationship I possibly could with the white mountains, which is just silly to think about now. But, um, I really kind of felt that way. And once I started getting out on this network, you know, these, these, these networks, these trails, um, that, that don't sort of, uh, focus on the, on the 4,000 footers, um, and they get you far removed from the, from the, from the main networks. I mean, I just, I realized I knew, I knew almost nothing, you know, I realized Mm -hmm. that my, my relationship with these, with these mountains has actually just started. And that's because there is so much out there. It's crazy. It's crazy, dude. It's crazy. I love it. We, uh, and I'm, I'm getting to your, I'm getting to your question about the trails because I do have a couple cool, cool recommendations, but like, you know, we're on that, like the white mountains are being overloved wave right now. We're on that, like too many people in the white mountains wave right now. And like, I, I totally get that and I understand how that's the perception, but like we're talking about small concentrations. Oh yeah, dude. I agree a hundred percent with that. I agree a hundred percent with that. And every time I hear people complaining about that, you know, even in my like very limited compared to yours experience um, on these lesser known trails, I'm just like, dude, the white mountains are 
I, I don't think they're overcrowded yet. It's just areas in the whites that are overcrowded, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, man, like I said, I, I hiked almost, you know, almost a hundred percent of this, this summer solo. And, and that wasn't just because I left the trailhead without anybody else, but it was also because on these networks, man, to your point, there's nobody out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is genuinely nobody out there. And if you do run into somebody, it's like, oh, are you redlining? Yeah. Okay, cool. Like, you know, it's just like, you know, <laughs> there's just, we, there's just the gen- general population doesn't get out to some of these areas. So, um, yeah, I would, uh, you know, before, you know, giving you a couple trails here, I would absolutely suggest, um, you know, not, not necessarily you, Kyle, cause I know you're just getting out there all over the place anyway. It's more, that's more of your, your natural mindset, yeah. but like, um, you know, people who are out there who are like, you know, working on the grid and stuff and who find themselves like really, really, um, getting sort of fixated on the 4Ks, like take a little time, you know, check, check out some, some alternate routes to these 4Ks. Look at what the networks are, are kind of all about you know surrounding these peaks because dude there's so much beautiful stuff out there man oh it's like, awesome there's so much beautiful stuff so a place that comes to mind right off right off the bat is a place called Evans Notch and um i you know i'm hesitant to like talk too much about um you know the the network in some of these places because like you know, I, you know obviously you don't want just the hordes to then to then go you know somewhere else but I mean, Evans Notch is a beautiful, quiet, understated um, corner corner of the whites, and in kind of the, uh, um, I guess, yeah, more of the eastern eastern stretches of of the White Mountains, um, kind of bordering on the on the on the main the main state line, mm-hmm. and um, a re- a really beautiful um, accessible peak out there is called uh, Caribou Mountain. And you can kind of do a twelve a twelve mile lollipop loop up and over Caribou Mountain, where you uh, you start at a trailhead off of Route Two in the Shelburne area, and end up touching uh, Route One Thirteen, and then kind of doubling back, going up and over Caribou. And, and Caribou Mountain is just like you know gorgeous, commanding views of Evans Notch. Very very quiet. It's got like that classic ancient kind of White Mountains main vibe. Uh, big kind of like 360 views on a on a ledgy rocky kind of subalpine summit and um that was literally the first place that i revisited after i finished the red oh, line nice. um so nice. you know just like damn where do i go now you know like i finished the, i have hit you know open up the white mountain guide and put my you know my finger on a page and look down on it and it's like I, i've been there now so like where where do i go you know wh- yeah. where what place really speaks to me and caribou mountain was a place that spoke to me it's one of the hardest days on the red line over the summer, but it was a place that definitely spoke to me and a place that I wanted to return to and caught the the fall foliage out there. So that's super, super dope. And if you look on a map and you kind of branch out and 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 look at the trails around Caribou and around Evans Notch, you really can't go wrong, man. I mean, you cross the road and you're also looking at the Wild River Wilderness, which is an area that I know uh, Philip Warner had brought up um on his episode with you i believe mm-hmm. um which is just a a vast and and um gorgeous yeah wilderness area i got a chance I mean, to fuck around over there a little bit towards the end of the summer oh did you it was awesome yeah oh what did you hit up i did the bald faces which i had never okay. done but then oh, I, yeah. I went i went further i went like over them and then i kind of dipped down and then did like a little figure eight 
just like three day like little weekend thing um okay and started and then ended up back over by the uh yeah i guess it was a not a, but what's that trail called i don't know the, the main one up the bald faces um but i did I, and i stayed at those two campgrounds that are in the dry river wilderness um the uh backcountry ones i think blue brook was one of them oh okay yeah and yeah, then yeah. i don't remember the name of the other one i'm trying to find it here on my map i can't find it um but it's pretty close to that one um, and that was that was awesome, dude. Because again, that was like one of the the um, the easternmost part of the Whites. You know, driving through Evans Notch, mm-hmm. actually, uh, I I that was like the last part of the the Whites I'd never really been to before, um, mm-hmm. or at least ex- you know more than just uh, briefly. So, so yeah. that was really cool. I loved that area. I'll definitely be back. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. And before you go out there, like, um, let's definitely chat because I could suggest some stuff and or just um invite myself in <laughs> hell yeah man hell get, yeah. get out there with you dude um but I'll, I'll throw out one other one other area uh, actually like two other areas super super quick um the mahusik mahusik traverse um the mahusik kind of ridge uh area in the uh in the whites north of north of gorham so basically from Hayes Mountain all the way out to uh, Old, Old Spec, which is uh, in Grafton Notch. That that whole stretch, again, is absolutely incredible. That's fucking on the, brutal, dude. I remember that brutal. shit. <laughs> yeah, it's brutal. It's it's on the AT, and the reason why I was vibing on it so hard in, in part was because I hadn't been out there for 12 years since I oh, threw okay. the Appalachian Trail. You know, like I hadn't been into Mahusik Notch for 12 years, so yeah. a lot of this stuff was like ultra nostalgic, uh, felt like I was seeing, you know, the whites – um, for the first time, even though these were places that technically I had gone through before. Um, but, but also like what I will mention is the trails that branch off of the main Mahusik Traverse. Um, so like the Speck Pond Trail, and there's, there's also another trail that I'm going to mention here that I really would recommend to anybody who's listening to go out, go and check out. Um, th- these, these trails are incredible as well, Kyle, like they're even, um, I mean, the Mahusik Traverse is, is traveled by a bunch of AT hikers, so it gets a lot of traffic, especially during the summer. But like the trails leading up to, up to it um, are are very quiet. The drive in um, on on like a road like Success Pond uh, Success Pond Road, which leads from the town of Berlin, um, super super beautiful, qu- quiet. You know, dirt dirt roads, and then the trails leading up to the main ridge are also. Uh, beautiful the the right trail and that's spelled w r i g h t i would say of like the the stunners of the summer for me um the unknown stunners so like the stunners like the trails that are like you know top tier in my opinion that i'd never even heard of or been on i would say that's like a top five for me nice. the, the right trail w r i g h t that'll lead you up to uh, the Gusai area on the Mahusik Ridge. Yeah. Um, and that's, uh, yeah, that's just that whole network. You know, if you guys are looking for stuff to explore in there. And then lastly, um, a region which is referred to in the Redline, um, the Redline tab um, or in the, in the White Mountain Guide as well as like the Northern New Hampshire, uh, Northern New Hampshire region. So these, this area that's kind of like up on the Canadian border um, is just, ultra 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 beautiful man and i would i would recommend people go up there and uh hit stuff that's on the red line hit, hit stuff that's not on the red line the coas trail uh goes up there and there's parts of the coas trail that are that are on the red line as well 
Um, but but go up there, check out uh, Sugarloaf Mountain. That's beautiful. Go out and, sh- and check out uh, Fourth Connecticut Lake. That's that's pretty right on the Canadian border. You don't need a passport or anything to go over. Uh, don't need to check in with anybody. Um, and also, um, you know, go, go and just like check, you know, check out the towns up there, man. Go and kind of like drive around these back roads because that was like this really unexpected benefit and ex- unexpected um sort of quality of the red line as well. It's like, yeah, of course the hiking, but the the roads that you have to take and the neighborhoods and the villages and the little sell, uh, settlements that you have to cut through to get to some of these mm-hmm. places, Kyle, like that is so much a part of the experience, yeah, man. man. Like having the sun come up in the morning and you're seeing these little houses nestled in the valley amongst the fog and they've all got their wood stoves burning and you got people out, you know, cutting wood or tending to their, their garden. And like, you're seeing how people are like really living out there, you know, and that's like got a value and a quality to it that I didn't necessarily find too much, uh, hiking the four Ks. Um, but it was definitely prevalent out there. And the further you go off the map in some of these places, especially a place like Evans Notch, especially a place like, you know, fourth Connecticut Lake or McGalloway mountain, which is on the 52 with a view, which is up in the Northern reaches. That was a sick, sick mountain that people should, should check out. Just the roads getting in there are insane. Um, you know, you're seeing a whole other part of the experience, man. And I, I love that. The lo- the longer I hike, the deeper I get into this whole thing. I'm just interested in like new, new, new. How do we go dim- deeper? How yeah. do we see more? How do we how do we experience different things, things that we haven't, you know, previously? And this was absolutely part of it, man. And um, yeah, that's that that it also makes it very easy to say to you like, yeah, I'm definitely going back. That's awesome, man. I've never really mm-hmm. been up further north in New Hampshire than the Whites, so I definitely want to get up there and check out. I've heard about I've heard about Fourth Connecticut Lake and all that stuff mm-hmm. before too. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's Dude, awesome. Dude, we're uh, getting towards the end here, but we still got time for a story. Okay, cool. Um, we might have to do another episode. So we we will definitely do another episode sometime. Down. Um, we will definitely do one. But for now, um, I'm sure it's going to be tough to pick, or maybe it won't be to to mm. pick a story. But uh, I'd like to hear a a any story from your from your single season red line attempt Mm. successful Mm. fkt attempt all that stuff yeah i was like mulling this over today man and it was like really really hard for me to (laughs) uh really hard for me to pick one in particular um because there's a couple different stories that uh that really have a little bit of a yeah interesting interesting vibe to them interesting um kind of um experiences and interactions with people but um ultimately i'm going to tell you a really quick story this was um this was a day that i was up in the presidential range and um you know there's no real climax or anything to this story no no real crescendo but it just ended up being one of the most memorable days on the trip for me for for a few different reasons you know you'll kind of you'll kind of see why i think just the whole of the experience kind of stood out for me so first and foremost um started heading up into the Northern Presidentials probably around like 1 p.m. And that was a really late start for me. Uh, Just like needed sleep from the night before because I was in the presidential range the night before. This was when I was working on the Northern Presidentials specifically. And you're just doing so much vertical and it's just insane. And Mm -hmm. I ended up just resupplying that morning and getting a late start. And so the idea was, you know, I'm going to do about 25 miles and I'm going to walk all night and I don't care what time I get finished, but I'm going to walk all night. And, um, Ended up climbing up to the Israel Ridge Trail. Uh, ended up seeing some storms coming in. Um, 
and ended up uh, getting effectively like dumped on um, as this as this rain wall passed through the northern presidentials. And I was right at tree line. It was really chilly, raining pretty hard for probably like 15 minutes. I was able to duck underneath some like low vegetation and get out of most of it. But it's just like, okay, you know, this is going to be a this is going to be a long night. And, um, the, the rain kind of passes over me. I'm getting ready to start walk, walking again. And, and all of a sudden, just like out of nowhere, just the most incredibly violent red light, just sunset, you know, hit, hits, hits the freshly soaked is Israel Ridge trail. And it's just like, this, you know, drop dead, gorgeous light. And all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're stoked again. And, um, all of a sudden I hear, you know, a couple boulders, maybe, I don't know, 20 feet away from me, 20 feet to my right down the trail start to rumble a little bit and I fully expect to see, you know, hiker, a couple hikers yeah. walk up, maybe, you know, two guys who had been ducking out of the rain as well. And it's just a massive black bear. Oh, um, right. Yeah, yeah. Right up there on, on Israel Ridge trail, um, which like, I've never seen a black bear up that high. Um, you're pretty much a tree line at that point. And I'm like, holy shit. And it doesn't even look over. It doesn't acknowledge me emerges from the vegetation, walks across the trail and then like field of dream style. Uh, emerges into the the you know the vegetation acro- across <laughs> the other side and disappears and I'm like okay this is trippy this is kind of a weird night yeah. so um I get up and I continue on and darkness sets in and um I end up hiking down to this area called the log cabin and um uh I, I met uh, a lady by the name of Joe Mama who who had done quite a bit of uh, quite a bit of my resupply and lo- and logistical help with the car spots and everything. Um, she came up and brought me a little bit of food and just ended up literally at not necessarily the middle of the night, but approaching midnight, just kind of like taking an hour and kind of falling asleep there. No sleeping bag, nothing just kind of like woke up shivering, um, hike, hiked back up to, uh, hike back up to the Ridge and kind of opened up my phone and, uh, saw like another, another cell coming in, like another rain wall, like a thunder, thunderstorm cell. And, yeah. um, when you get up to, when you get up to this Ridge, I was in this area, um, where the RMC, the Randolph mountain club has two different camps and they're both closed down because of, um, because of what was going on with COVID. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, get up to the first camp and get some water. And as I'm traversing over to the second camp, just this insane deluge, I mean, just like some of the hardest raid you can imagine. And it's, it's pretty cold, you know, and it's, yeah. it's after midnight at this point, it's probably like one o'clock and I'm just like hoofing it over to, um, yeah, hoofing it over to, to the other, the other, um, cabin it's called gray knob. And when I get to this cabin, I mean, like, there's just no way I'm getting up, you know, I'm getting up to the, uh, getting onto the porch, getting out of the rain and it's continuing to pour. It's probably like two o'clock now. And the cabin is like, again, boarded up, locked up or whatever. And all, mm-hmm. all of a sudden I hear, you know, I hear someone inside the cabin shift around and start coming down the stairs. And I was like, this is, you know, this, this, this isn't going to be good. And I just, yeah, just hear like a hard knock on the door behind me. I was like right next to the door. And this guy, I'm assuming like a caretaker is like, Who, who's out there? And you know, like there's no one else around. I've been out all night. Like the rain's pouring. Like, I'm not saying it was like eerie or anything, but I can only imagine who's, I can only imagine this dude, you yeah. know, oh, like get <laughs> sounds kind of eerie. Yeah. Yeah. And like, there's a Dell, you know, there's like a massive rainstorm coming through. It's 2 AM. Like there's some rando show, you know, showing up at your, you know, at the shelter. Like, I don't know. I can, I can understand why he was a little, uh, you know, perhaps perturbed, but I tried to convey to him like, yo dude, 
You know, I'm just like getting my stuff together. I'm waiting for this, this wall of rain to pass. I'm going down to my car after this, like, no worries. Trying to like tell him like, dude, I'm not a maniac. Like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm good. You know, I'm good. Like, well, there's no worries here. And he just goes, okay, no problem. Please look at the sign. And so like, there's a big sign on the, on the door of the cabin. And I like stand up and I, I look at the sign. I can kind of hear him walking away from the door and go back upstairs. And yeah, on, on the, on the door, there's like a sign there, some kind of posted uh, posted note, uh, official posted note from the Forest Service saying like entering entering the the facility um, during the time of COVID is felony trespassing and like you know you'll you'll be uh, you'll be charged to the full extent of the law and I'm just like okay it's time for me to split oh jeez um, yeah and like you know I don't think there was any uh, you know there was any real intention of like no, reporting no. me or anything but like you know, you show up in the middle of the night, it's pouring rain out and uh, someone's on your front porch and it's just weird times out there right now. And um, I can totally understand it. So I ended up um, heading out like in the rain again and eventually hiking down. And um, by this time, man, like quite quite a few hours had passed because when you're going, when you're walking through that network, especially in the Northern Presidentials, especially at night, it's so technical. I mean, there's so many turns, so many half mile, one-tenth of a mile, two-tenth of a mile yeah. turns. Oh, yeah. You got to really stop and look and make sure that you're getting everything that you need. And um, yeah, by the time the sun had come up, I was within like the last mile of the hike heading down to the Appalachia parking lot on route two. And there's a lot of really cool, like understated, ledgy little trails out there where you have cool views over to like the Randolph community forest on the other side of route mm -hmm. two. And man, the sun was coming up and it was just like that quintessential, that iconic, like new England summer vibe, man, where it's like kind of a muted sunset, misty moisture and fog going through the valley, but no, um, precipitation, really, really warm temps. I didn't even have a shirt shirt on at that point. And yeah, for me, just like sat there and um, it was one of those moments, man, where you just uh, take a second to um, kind of acknowledge like the, the journey you're on and what you've kind of been through that night and, um, you know, what you've been through through that summer. And um, I, I kind of tell that story. I end up getting down in my car and drying out and, um, you know, Joe mom, I had breakfast sandwiches waiting. We, we were we were definitely doing things as bougie as we could yeah. when we could on the trail just to keep like oh, the course, calories yeah. coming in and the normalcy there. But, um, it was just one of those moments, man, where it's like, I am so fucking lucky, you know, where it's just like, I'm out here having such wild, you know, 20 years after I started hiking, um, 18 years after I first started coming to the white mountains, I am still out here having these wild, challenging, unconventional experiences in 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 the mountain range that i love and and now i'm kind of doing it on a little bit of a bigger bigger scale where people are paying attention and where i'm able to kind of like really make my mark a little bit and mm -hmm. it was just like yeah this moment of acknowledgement this moment of gratitude there was no fall on mount whitney um there's no like you know three feet of snow up to my neck the last day of the month it was like a quiet contemplative moment man and it was really just like again, an acknowledgement of, um, where I kind of was on the journey and, and, and the, the days after that, and, and really like so many of the days before that were just like that unconventional, um, big, big surprises around every corner. Mm -hmm. And just this, this constant need to, um, you know, push yourself, challenge yourself and, and, and give yourself fully. Awesome, man. I love that. That's such yes. a that's such a great way to kind of close this out. Philip Karsha, yes. dude, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. We're going to have to do another one soon, like I said. Um, Absolutely. 
Um, why don't you go ahead and plug your stuff for those who don't know, for the few people out there who don't know where they can go uh, follow you and all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, if you guys want to see what the process is going to be like, um, planning for, training for, and executing the uh, the second attempt at the, the, the single season red line next summer, you can definitely hit me up on Instagram. So um, I'm on Instagram at Finding Philip. That's 1L. Also on Facebook, uh, so that's facebook.com forward slash findingphilip1l. Um, I've also got a website, findingphilip.com, where you can um, see my images, buy my images, book me if you uh, would like to uh, um, hire me to do some public speaking, uh, some Zoom, Zoom, Zoom spe- speaking on the, uh, on the single year grid or the single season red line. All that stuff is, is available for you. Awesome, man. Awesome. Philip, thank you so much. Thank you to everybody listening, as always. That's going to do it. Until next week, everybody have a good one. Thanks so much, Kyle. Appreciate it, man.